Episode 26 of the exit strategy has started flooding back at least in one area called the secondaries. Meta's reality lab loses $13.7 billion on VAR and AR last year. And what are the largest U.S. venture funding deals of 2023? Let's find out on the exit strategy. Now let's hear that count. One, two, you're listening to The Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarian, a recovering SaaS vendor, joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiori and Swadek Mazumdar, and we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. I mean, he, 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 is, he, is, he, he is talking about the secondary market, so like... Uh, you know, and what's hot today is the venture funding has started flooding back, right? And they call these things secondaries. I hear a lot of funds talking about secondaries all the time. You know, Ralph, what's a secondary? Or Swadek, what's a secondary? Well, I could explain it. Since I uh, raised capital for the pioneer in the secondaries business, and his name was uh, Dayton Carr, he uh, passed away last year, and his firm um, is called Venture Capital uh, Fund of America, or VCFA. And he got started in the business when uh, he was working for uh, the brother of the Watson that uh, headed uh, IBM. And I think uh, the gentleman he was working for was a Watson. And um, he ran IBM in, um, International, and he was going to be appointed ambassador. And he felt that he had to sell all of his uh, interests in uh, the various uh, enterprises that he had invested in. And Date Dayton bought them up, and they turned out to be very lucrative. And he and a small group started uh, focusing on buying uh, venture funds. And uh, he here's the great thing about it. You know, when you invest in a brand new venture fund, you're investing basically in what's called a blind pool. Uh, there aren't any investments in it. When you send your cash in, it's just a pile of cash there. And then the management of the fund has to um, determine what should go in there. Uh, and they could be right or wrong. They could have good results or bad results. Well, a uh, uh, secondary in the venture space uh, means that after the first person buys it on the initial offering, uh, maybe three or four years or five years or six or seven years down the road, if he wants to sell it, or if a, a fund or family office wants to sell it because their strategy has changed, the great thing is you can go in and look at the companies in that portfolio. It's not no, no longer cash. So in a sense, you could weigh, uh, evaluate uh, what's in there and then apply a discount because it's illiquid and there's not a big market uh, for, or, or there used to not be a big market. And still today, there is not a big market for smaller pieces. 
And uh, that's what VCFA still does today. And I have some uh, capital with them and they've got great results. So what that allows you to do when you buy a secondary, again, the, the primary is when the first uh, person or institution buys it on the offering, the first offering. And the secondary is you're buying it from them. Um, what that means is you're buying it at a significant discount. You know what's in there. You haven't paid the management fees. Let's say you buy it in the fifth year. You've saved all those management fees uh, over that five-year period. Um, and uh, therefore, your IRR, uh, assuming the outcome is positive, the IRR for you is going to be much higher than the original investors. So it has um, a great attraction and it's a good strategy. It's sort of a, a value strategy, uh, so to speak. Is it because so, um, they just got stuck, like the VC got stuck with the investment and didn't find an opportunity to sell the company or? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it has been more likely that the person who, who bought it at the offering, you know, whether it's an institution or a person, their strategy has changed. Their life circumstances have changed. They may need the money right now to buy a, a bigger house or send their kid to college. Who knows? You know, maybe they lost their job and they're, they're under pressure to sell uh, or not. You know, they just may say, look, I'm sick and tired of waiting around for this thing. Because the, these, these funds are 10-year funds takes uh you know a lot of courage to invest one in one and and wait around um you may think the economy is going to be down by the time the fund matures anyway there's a probably a million and one reasons why somebody wants to sell and when they do sell because they're not a big market they sell at a significant discount some of these are 40 50 percent discounts from the uh, underlying value yeah. in the portfolio. That, that's literally what I would assume is that you're going to have to have, that's the cost also of someone taking that risk from you. But I mean, if you're, if you have a company that was founded four or five years ago, you kind of could see its track record and buying that secondary, it could be very valuable. Right. Marcus. So on the VC side, a secondary, obviously what Ralph was trying to uh, explain is, any any uh, stock that's in the portfolio sold to somebody else um, for whatever value, uh, but in the public market, it is very easy to understand. It is is some insider. Let's take an insider who wants to sell in the secondary market, not in the public market, not the primary market that has already been done, and not other than the discount, the money doesn't go to the company. It goes to whoever the seller is. Right. Right. I mean, the first time I now, heard the concept was when we, we did that. We, we were working on one, Ralph, as you remember. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for that, without disclosing the name of the company, the reason we were doing a secondary was the seller had to come out of the cap table. So it was a secondary deal <clears throat> in a company that they had invested in. So we were buying those shares. 
Uh, you remember that? Yep, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, so that's a, a pure secondary play. Now, now, uh, since the uh, technology boom, uh, you know, since uh, let's say two thousand, another market's developed where instead of um, a fund being sold at a discount, uh, an individual owns uh, uh, some amount of shares of a high-growth company. Uh, he wants to sell all or part of his position. And just like what Swatik was just saying, uh, rather than a fund, he he will sell an interest um, uh, in his company or a company he works for or one that he invested in. And those are popular now. And there are several firms where um, you can uh, you can get these shares of rising stars in the technology area. Hopefully they're rising stars. Uh, in fact, uh, one of our partners was buying Facebook before they went public. Uh, there was a firm that uh, knew an investor or an employee that had a lot of Facebook shares. And uh, our partner was able to uh, get quite a lot before they went public. Yeah, you you know, it's, uh, it's funny you bring up Facebook, Ralph. Uh, I think Facebook went public, what, 10 years ago, 2012, 13, I believe. But before that, that whole secondary market really boomed, right? Because again, there wasn't, as, as a matter of fact, there wasn't a lot of discount to those shares because Facebook was deemed to be a very uh, valuable company. Uh, but they were trying to buy it prior to the IPO. And there were a lot of different shares the insiders were selling um, to anybody who's interested. And a lot of people were syndicating that and you know they were combining it with other sellers. And there's a big market that happened. As a matter of fact, secondary market, which was sold to, um, which was sold to NASDAQ, uh, that was their business. Uh, today, I think there is uh, there are a few companies that do that. Not that uh, it's not as as aggressive, they're not as aggressive as it used to be. Um, I think SharePost is one of them. Uh, the few others I can't uh, top of my head don't remember them now. Uh, but I I remember the time when Uber went public. It got again very very active, and Uber had clamp down on insider selling. They started saying, we get the first right of refusal because they wanted to make sure they knew who the shareholders were, right? And so those are all prime examples of secondary sales. Right, right. And uh, the, the bigger market is in secondaries of private equity funds because it's a, a much right. bigger market than the venture market is. And... Uh, you typically don't get 50% discounts there. In fact, for some portfolios, it's under 10%. But you're you're buying, you might buy, you know, $30 million, $70 million transaction at uh, even a discount under 5% for some of those portfolios. Um, so that that's a big market. And uh, there are a lot of um, firms that do that as well. 
And so, Marcus, you're seeing the secondary market picking up. I mean, there's just more talk about it, and yeah. when you start googling things, I mean, you're always trying to see exactly where the liquidity is. That's the fact in this business. So, uh, liquidity could be, you know, in the beginning, it's always like a VC or something, a seed investor. But you see a lot of companies now when they're doing raises, they're also taking debt. Um, and the fact is, is that like there's always a lot of times when people want to know how can I sell my shares. I know guys at my last tech company that bought their shares. And the truth is, is that like, um, you know, they kind of don't know what to do with the shares now, but they had to pay taxes on it because like they, they got the, they got the, the they got a, a, the vested shares then they have to buy the vested shares. Um, but then they have to realize a portion of it is like capital gains and they have to pay taxes on that because it's seen as income. And it's just, um, it's just interesting. I mean, of course, there's going to be a market for it. I mean, you could trade anything. I mean, people trade baseball cards and comic books, you know, and there's there's money to that. If that wasn't the case, antique stores wouldn't exist. So, um, you know, and I remember back in like 10 years ago where you had uh, people selling the Facebook shares or there's always something. And I always, it's always difficult because like it was when I was at that Brazilian bank, I had all these people send me, oh, we have Facebook shares. So I sent it internally and I say, hey, this doesn't make any sense for you guys, et cetera, et cetera. And like, um, you know, but the truth is that a lot of times what happens is that I kind of always get feared with the fear of like fraud coming into the picture because anytime there's something that is new and or people are picking up on, it just opens up the the, the floodgates because like the Facebook shares, you don't even know if the guy really had Facebook shares. Like we would get a lot of like these uh, bonds from Brazil from the 1950s or 1930s. And it was completely fake. I mean, you know, but those things would circulate in the market all the time. Well, there, there was there was some fraud with uh, all the Facebook shares that were being sold, but most of it was all vetted. Yeah. There were insiders, you knew them, and, you know, you went through the whole legal uh structure to get get the transaction in place in the beginning i I know a lot of people were just doing it just as, with a simple agreement but then as it became uh, uh the volume increased and the sizes became bigger then you know attorneys obviously got involved there was a lot of legal i looked at a lot of those uh, issues at that point yeah i don't know i mean the I mean, especially with Facebook, it's always interesting. I mean, like we were we were even talking about it, um, you know, because Facebook is now meta, right? Mm -hmm. From going from the social media to doing your clicks and watching all this. I mean, I have to block so many news. To, like I, I started, I canceled my Facebook, but I had a kid. So I got Facebook again just because I started asking parents like what to do or since the wife is French, we have to, we move to France asking questions and trying to just trying to speak with the community. But now with their meta, right, we got past their IPO, 10, a, a decade's gone by. And now they want you to wear these virtual reality headsets. You know, I don't, I, I, I find it tricky because like you have a company that produced so much value. I remember the, when the IPO came out and then from the IPO till now, I mean, the stock is up like, multiples upon multiples you know but now you want i i worked i mean th there's this article on TechCrunch here it says the meta's reality labs lost 13.7 billion on vr and ar last year 
I mean, would you want to stay plugged into this VR headset thing where like you're completely immersed? Have you have you been uh, have you used an Oculus? I used one. I used the VR headset once because Luxitan, the cosmetic company, had this VR experience, and you basically ride this balloon over Luxitan in France, which is where they have the lavender fields. So I did that. And then, I don't know. I mean, it, it was too much. I, I was I was on the board of this nonprofit group in New York called Techro, where we would take the headsets to um, under underprivileged like inner city schools, and you could take kids to like Paris using the VR headset, and you could show them the Eiffel Tower. What a photo of the Eiffel Tower will be a photo. It's two dimensional, but you could see the scale. And understand it by wearing the headset. You could look up, you know. And I've met with a bunch of people in the VR space. I just never, I could never. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I couldn't get into it. So I yeah. played on Oculus. I played uh, baseball once, and after a while, it gave me a headache. Um, there's so much movement there. But again, you know, I think that's coming. The question is, talking about Meta, talking about Facebook. Uh, we are we betting on Zuckerberg uh, because the way he's transforming this whole company. Don't forget, it used to be uh, everything would be on the website on on uh, on a browser, and then that moved because it's all advertising driven. Obviously, that moved to mobile, and he did very well with that, and very quickly. Remember when it went public, it that wasn't the case, and people said, "Well, I don't know if he could." migrate that quickly he really did uh and uh the growth was phenomenal now it's moving to web 3.0 the question is will people follow him there or not so i think that is he feels so all the losses you're seeing now is going towards growth uh going towards marketing going towards new technology and everything else right so it's a question that we will see the answer to in the next maybe year, two years. Uh, VR, uh, you know, AR, VR definitely has uh, potential, definitely has potential. Um, but that's going to be, the mass adoption would be a different generation, not our generation. Because so, Facebook Facebook does have a problem. I mean, it's it's they're dependent on either an Apple hardware or they're dependent on an Android hardware. Um, you know, groups like Amazon, you know, control the supply chain market. Um, groups like Netflix control content. Uh, groups like Google, you know, they control uh, search. But Apple literally could just block, you know, whatever is going through your iPhone, which I do myself. I block a lot of things. I mean, I, it's like I don't get indicators. I don't get I, all my tracking things are off. But like... um you know, I th I think that this meta thing is like a reaction to um, the fact that their software can't go through a lot of phones because a lot of people put on like these settings, like you'll have the, uh, you know, the, um, the ad, G ad blocker GDPR about oh, you know, uh, CD something in California, which is like basically protecting your privacy and you can't sell, you can't store cookies or all these things. So you have like, you know, the number one revenue driver for Facebook is basically 
the dependency on collecting that kind of data. And the fact is, is that like, I think they decided they probably came up with 10 ideas. The VR seems to be the one that cracked and they went forward with it. And it's turning out to be a loser and it's becoming a loser for, because for now, for now, Marcus. for now. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. I, I don't know only if data is something that they're making money on. I think they're making money on uh, advertisers. I mean, that's their revenue source, right? And so is Google. So is everybody else. But the yeah. interesting thing is you talk about Apple. Uh, Apple is coming out with their own AR VR. Right. So it is. Yeah. It, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I, uh, I get on it all the time. There's a game I like to play on Oculus, believe it or not. Which one is that? Uh, it's called Space Pirates. Okay. Yeah. It's, right. it's amazing. I mean, it it is, you know, after a while, you got it. I guess you got to get used to it because, like I said, when you're playing baseball, your heads are moving. You know, it, it, and maybe it was half an hour playing into it and now you got to get used to it. Maybe you're, it's not, you know, it's, kind of uncomfortable in the beginning to understand how it's you know how it reacts but i think over a period of time you'll get used to it like everything else yeah you, you know uh, i've read something that said um the usage of facebook itself is going down that young people don't like it as much anymore and people are worried about uh, exposing their life, you know, to a lot of people. Um, there's certainly negative effects of um, looking at how other people go on vacation all the time and so forth. But uh, I, I think maybe they needed to uh, find some other sources of revenue. They, now They, they do they, work, uh, Ralph. They have Instagram, they have uh, WhatsApp, huge. Right, right. We're not even talking about that. Yeah, yeah. How does but, Facebook uh, make money isn't, on... isn't there meta world? Isn't that something that sort of combines the Oculus with not a game, but a virtual world, right? And if you're going to have that, I've, I, I, I don't know. I've, I don't understand it, but I've heard people buying uh, real estate in the meta world. Yeah, they do. Like you have Sandbox, you have Decentraland, you have those, you do buy. Not only do you buy, even companies buy. I know Adidas did, Sony did. Uh, what was the other gaming company that uh, did? They, on Sandbox, they bought properties worth millions. And then Snoop Dogg, right? He bought property. He was doing concerts in the meta world, right? In the virtual world. And people, you know, buy real estate in and around the big properties or the prop, uh, you know, the the active properties. Uh, the ones further away have less value. The ones closer has more value. I know somebody who owns about over twenty million dollars worth of properties, virtual properties, on Sandbox. And I've been now you that. have you have you heard of this guy that uh, has sold parts of the moon? Um, he sends you a certificate, and he's making a fortune. Do you um, register the property with the Department of State, or? <laughs> and uh, what happened? There's another guy selling. Um, I mean, like, do they recognize it that you own the property? 
there's another guy that's selling um, uh, spots on a virtual space station. Yeah, that, that and, I, the moon part I don't understand. The virtual thing I do understand. It's a question of, you know, who sees value in that, right? It's all virtual. So, you know, if you remember all these different games that were selling virtual, you know, you were in the gaming world and then they're selling you virtual cows and virtual farms and, you know, uh, virtual this and that. People were buying it. You know, all the kitties and, you know, all the stuff that you had, kitty cats and all the virtual. I mean, look at Ape, right? Everything is virtual. People were buying it. So it's a question of, you know, uh, who sees value in it and the next person sees a higher value for it to become more, to be. Well, I guess there's bragging rights. I own part of the moon, Yeah, you know, could be, or could be. things like that. But, but the, the Oculus, I think is going to be uh, fantastic uh, for the future because uh, just think if you have like that uh, Japanese uh, nuclear power station uh, that uh, blew Fujiyama. up. Fujiyama. If you had, um, uh, you know, uh, not blueprints, but uh, like a virtual uh, 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 a draft of the plan. Well, uh, um, uh, a virtual picture of the engineering, and you needed to figure out how to go in there and fix something uh, without endangering somebody, you could uh, go in there in a sense. Maybe. Maybe every significant plant like that needs to be filmed and they keep it for security. The company keeps it for security purposes. And if there's an accident, they can, um, you know, have people look at it in a virtual way rather than um, risking anybody's life. Um, so so now, uh, now, you know, go, Ralph, you know what you're getting into, right? You're getting into the whole AI space. Yeah, the AI, AI space is raising too much money these days. You know, the fastest growth yeah. in the uh, consumer consumer adoption has been this AI stuff. Um, they don't they don't ever know when they want to make money. You know, uh, Chat um, G, uh, GPT invest what uh, raised ten billion billion ten billion just for Microsoft, I believe. Yeah, right. I mean, I got they it. know they'll never make money off it. I mean, I don't think it's really about that, right? It's about, exactly. you know, uh, the fact that you have this over here. Um, the fact that you have, I mean, like you have OpenAI got 10 billion. Then the numbers drop like crazy to 401 million with Netscope. And then you have Silicon Ranch at 375. But then if you go down to the fifth largest investment of the year, since uh, January 1st, it's uh, Anthropic with Google, which is supposed to be, um, people coming out of um, the OpenAI team to start a competitor to uh, OpenAI. That's called Anthropic. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, you know, we're seeing the the twenty dollars a month that they want to start charging if you want to use the elite version of OpenAI. Yeah, uh, so but that's, that's how, how it works. That, yeah, but that's how they they were never thinking of going down that road. Uh, charging anybody, uh, but now I think it's come to a point where they say, well, it was not for profit, but now they're going to do capped profit. So they're going to do a certain amount of profits only, after which it's going to be more, you know, for impact, for social 
can't you, know, you do benefit like, and stuff like that? Kind of like you know, Google has you know companies like DoubleClick, which drive traffic to stores, uh, online stores, and you have uh, you know, they, Facebook is is ad driven. You know, the can't you do the same thing with ChatGTP or these uh, AI tools? Because like oh, this it, is abso this... absolutely you can. It it's a question of what data you feeding it, uh, feeding into it. You know, over a period of time, and that data set is important. It's not just you know a little bit of data. It's it's a whole you know I mean silos and silos of data that's going in and then getting dissected and indexed and you know disseminated basically uh, over the you know uh, yeah. chat uh, GPT uh, you know platform. But it's interesting when when I when I see that uh, uh, the what what you just sent out, um, you know, most of the investments or majority of these investments is in the healthcare biotech space, which I which I found very interesting. You mean the bi biotech? You said. Yeah, well, most of the you know the list that you are uh, showcasing right now on on uh, online. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the industry, most of them are healthcare biotech related, yeah. which I find Se very A sector that I don't know too many people personally that cover. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it's, um, look, I mean, I, I was surprised at how much this, the MarTech sector, for example, grew over the past decade. Like that's completely crazy. I mean, much more than the fintech space. Like fintech funding is way down, but you still have a lot of investments going into those um kinds of technology but like obviously there's interest in it because when you, we, we were first discussing the secondaries a lot of the secondaries that are being purchased um are basically things like the martech space or a lot of the sectors that were hot in the past and then people are just acquiring those assets so i guess as we as ralph said at a discount but like when you look at you know you still have the the basics, the top investments being things like renewable energy, energy, general, healthcare, biotech. Um, you know, there is one here from financial services where the TMX group bought Veta FI or VetaFi. I don't really know what this does, but uh, let's see here. VetaFi is a finance company that specializes in offering investment advice, indexing and distributing distribution for veterans and entrepreneurs. Okay, that's pretty specific. But um I mean, what it's what it's saying here is that like investments are still hot. I mean, there's nothing really that I see here that's in like the. Uh, I guess like Goldman Sachs invested in Fever. That was a f interesting one because Fever is like this party thing. It basically promotes like crazy events. You know, like I was seeing pictures of some of the events that they were hosting, and it was like a this piano concert and they put like a thousand or a large number of candles on the floor with a passageway for the pianist to show up and do the performance. Talk, talking about party, it's Sunday, Marcus, and I got to run to a party. Yeah? Was it a barbecue it, or? It's, it's, well, it's, it's cold outside, so it's not barbecue. I hope not. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's indoors. <laughs> I got to run. <laughs> Happy Sunday, everyone. All right. Take care. Product. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Episode 26 of The Extra Strategy. Like, share, and subscribe. Be sure to smash that follow button.